Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Night Light. Step away from the mainstream and gather around as we enlighten the world and our realities and travel this cosmic journey we call life. Join us as we share with you and provide that beacon that can guide us all to a better way. Explore with us as we examine a metaphysical montage of spiritual insights covering everything from the mundane to the magical, UFOs to unicorns, and everything in between. This is a time of awakening, of sharing and evolving, of spreading our wings and soaring on the cosmic breath of creation. Come and join with other light-minded spirits as we weave our lights together to seek understanding, enlightenment, and with a little luck, some wisdom. This is Nightlight, a reminder that you are never alone. wonderful Christmas. It's a rarity for me being here on the coveted Monday show. Um, We have our second Christmas-themed show tonight, as well as a winter solstice wrap-up. Micah Dank is our guest tonight. He is the author of the Into the Rabbit Hole series, which is available on Amazon. And he has been pioneering astrotheology. Uh, we will be spending much of the evening learning how astrotheology is a way to interpret the New Testament. Hi, Micah. How, how are you? I'm well. How are you? Oh, fine. Fine, fine. Um, in. I think it was late September, uh, we had Michael Feely as a guest, and he discussed how the monuments of the Giza Plateau foreshadowed the stories in the New Testament. Um, Micah, you're uh, presenting similar information, but through a different uh, method. So... um, Let's get into defining what astrotheology means. Sure. Astrotheology, the best way to describe it, um, or the easiest way to describe it, I should say, is you have your zodiac, okay, and you have a bunch of signs. You know, Capricorn is the goat, Aquarius is the man, uh-huh. and Pisces is the fish, Aries is the lamb, Taurus is the bull. Gemini are the twins, Cancer's the crab, Leo's the lion, Virgo's the lady with the wheat stalk, Libra's the man with the scales, Scorpio is scorpion, Sagittarius is the man on a horse with a bow and an arrow. And these just these seem random. It's just, it's just such a random collection of things, but what you'll find is that just by understanding that, it's the mythology behind it. That is the basis from everything from the Sumerian epic of Gilgamesh all the way to Islam. And I've been tracking that with my work and my presentations. And what I've done is I've, you know, I didn't, I didn't create this science, but I have been uh, pushing it forward in many ways. Uh-huh. I, um, I currently teach at Santos Bonacci's um, syncretism school with astrotheology. I send them about a video a week about it. Uh-huh. And uh, I have a... <clears throat> A sixth book, soon to be seventh, because I just dropped my seventh off at my publisher, uh, which comes out in February. It's a 
what I'm doing is I'm trying to mainstream the science, okay, because there's a lot of people that know about it, okay, but there's not a lot of people that understand it incredibly deeply or realize just how much of the world runs on it. And it, that's not even an overstatement. That's not even an over-exaggeration. Like, you know, it, it's the earliest science, and it's the most prevalent, only now it's hidden from us. And my book series, what it is, is it's a bunch of Dan Brown-type thrillers. It follows these characters that learn the science along the way, and they see how it's used against us. It's basically truth and fiction, the same way 1984 was, the same way uh-huh. Brave New World was, that, that sort of stuff, yeah. And that's what I've basically done is I've created these entertaining books where people learn about astrotheology and about uh, hidden conspiracies that they don't talk about, basically our hidden history. And uh, that's how I dispose of the information. Let me just start off by looking at a couple of uh, maybe two of the best known examples you know just give the audience um even more background um you know since christmas was just the other day and you get the star of bethlehem uh the magi are following this um star until it uh stops above the manger uh you know there's the a uh, pregnant woman and the dragon from uh, Revelation 12. So uh, right. if you'd want to start with either one of those and explain how your interpretations can give us a more in-depth meaning to uh, the passages from Revelation and Matthew Right. Well, I do do the I do do the Book of Matthew in its entirety, and I do do the Book of Revelation in its entirety too. The best way to go about this would be for me to thoroughly explain the twelve signs. I mean, I could decode okay. the the two ones that you explained first, but unless you understand the key words or what everything means, it's going to be kind of pointless. So, if okay. you like, well, I can go through the twelve signs. It usually takes me about five ten minutes. Okay, good. Sure, sure, sure. If you think that's the best, way, go right ahead. Okay, perfect. So the first sign that I talk about is Aquarius, which is represented by the man with the water pitcher. Okay, it's it's a man with a water pitcher, and the story goes back to Zeus bringing the young boy up to heaven, the boy feeding everyone through the water pitcher with something called ambrosia. And what ends up happening is the boy just gets fed up one day, pours it over the side of heaven, which is what Aquarius actually is, man pouring over um, a pitcher. The water floods the earth. That's where the Greeks get their flood story from. And then Zeus immortalizes him as the constellation Aquarius. So whenever there's keywords in each sign, there's keywords. And once I teach you these keywords, you could decode anything. It's that simple. So in Aquarius, whenever you're talking about son of man, because Aquarius is the sign of the man. So son of man, man, baptism. Because the man with the water pitcher pouring it out, that's how you baptize someone. Water pitcher, fountain, stream, river, pond, lake, um, that's Aquarius. We're talking about Aquarius. Now, I know that Aquarius is an air sign, okay, whereas Pisces, the fish in the water, that's a water mutable sign, okay? But because there's water in Aquarius, when you're decoding the Bible with astrotheology, because there's water in Aquarius, you can use it to mention water. And as I've just mentioned, Pisces is a sign of the two fish in the water. So all the water examples from the previous apply. Then Aries is the ram. And in Aries, you have March 21st, which is the spring equinox, the 12-hour day, 12-hour night. It's also the Passover. Okay? So the Jews celebrate Passover on Nisan 14 in Aries. Okay? And what the Passover is is God passing over the houses of the Jews and the Egyptians, and anyone who doesn't have the lamb or the ram, Aries, the ram, anybody that doesn't have the ram's, the lamb's blood smeared on their doorpost, okay, they, the firstborn son dies. Okay, so that's the Passover. In astrotheology, the Passover is literally that. The sun passes over the equator on March 21st and back on its way to a titan the summer solstice. In Christianity, the passing over is changed, and it's called the resurrection 
of God's son. So whenever you hear ram, lamb, shepherd, ram's horn, okay, you're talking about Aries. Taurus is the bull. When you look at the sky and you see Taurus during the season where it's supposed to be, you know that you need to put the plow on the bull. It's as above, so below. You see the bull in the sky, the ancients would put the plow on the bull so that you can plant the seed so you can harvest in Virgo and Libra. So whenever you hear bull, ox, calf, or cow, cow being a female bull, you're talking about Taurus. Gemini are the twins. It's the story of Castor and Pollux Troy, whose sister was Helen of Troy. It's the story of Achilles. This is another story that goes back to the Greeks. So whenever you hear twins or brothers, they're talking about Gemini. Cancer is the crab. And it's a sideways moving creature. Whereas we don't move sideways. We only shuffle side to side if it's like a sports drill or something or we're, we're exercising. Mm-hmm. Okay, but the crab right. moves side to side. The reason we do that, the reason cancer is the crab is because cancer has June 21st in it. So the reason that all the ancient gods were born on December 25th from a virgin, but they're all born on December 25th, including Jesus, is because they start, it starts to climb. What happens is on June, on January, I'm sorry, on December 21st, the sun is at its lowest height for the day. It's the longest night of the year. So the ancients used to say the sun was dead because it wouldn't rise above the horizon. And then it stays at that height for three days. So that's where God's sun was dead for three days comes in. Then on December 25th, it rises a degree. It comes back to life. It's born again. Okay, so the sun comes back to life on December 25th, and then the 26th, it rises an additional degree, the 27th, an additional degree, and then it continues to do this pattern where the days get longer and the nights get shorter. It rises a degree every day until it hits June 21st. That's the summer solstice. And then the summer solstice is June 21st. It's the longest day of the year. What happens is just like it walked sideways in December, the sun walks sideways just like the crab does for three days. And then on June 25th, it lowers a degree, and then every other day, it continues to lower a degree. So that's the pattern that the sun does every year and they are out. Okay? During the Egyptian time, it was known as the scarab. The crab was the scarab. So whenever you hear crab or beetle, they're talking about cancer. Then Leo is the king. Leo is the king of the jungle. The ruling planet of Leo is actually the sun. So whenever you hear lion, lioness, cub, you're talking about Leo. Then Virgo is the virgin, the woman holding the wheat stalk. Remember before we said you plant in Taurus. Well, you plant in Taurus, and then the virgins uh-huh. will cultivate the wheat in Virgo in order to make the bread for the year. So whenever you hear virgin, wheat, grain, seed, barley, corn, for example, that's Virgo because that's when you collect it. Okay? Then Libra is the justice. It's the scales. It's the balance. It's the just one. And the reason it's the justice is because it judges God's son as it passes over the fall equinox and begins its descent into winter, into cold, into death. Okay? So whenever you hear uh-huh. uh, law, judge, justice, the just one, divorce, marriage, court, lawly things, things that have to do with, like, a lawyer or a judge, things of that nature, you're uh-huh. talking about Libra. Libra is also wine season, okay? So that's September, October is Libra. That's when you press the, the grapes in order to make the wine for the year. So whenever you hear wines in your wine press, you're talking about Libra. Libra is also olive oil season, okay? So you press the olives in Libra to make the oil. So you have all lawly things, all wine things, and all olive things is Libra. Then Scorpio is the scorpion, and he is known as the betrayer. When a scorpion bites you, it leaves an imprint in your skin that looks like a pair of lips. It's where the mafia gets the kiss of death from. Because what happens is the ancients would get bit by a scorpion, right, in the Middle East, they'd pull it off and throw it away, and it would look like a pair of lips kissed them, okay? And what happened is uh, the lips were filled with poison, so that's the betrayal. It's a metaphor, and it's why Jesus was betrayed by Judas with a kiss, because Judas could have betrayed him any other way. He could have stoned him. He could have, thrown, he could have hugged him. He could have pointed him out in a crowd. He could have put a noose around he could, a million things, but he was betrayed with a kiss, because Judas represents Scorpio, and that's what Scorpio represents. So it's a scorpion. Anytime you hear Scorpion, they're talking about Scorpio. And Sagittarius is where the bow and the arrow shoot the sun and inflict further punishment on the sun. Now, in Sagittarius, you have December 21st, which is when the sun is at its lowest point. So it's dead. Okay? So it reminds it that day, that day for three days, which is why Jesus was dead for three days. 
So whenever you hear horse, bow and arrow, spear, horseman, you're talking about Sagittarius. Then finally, you have Capricorn, okay? Because if you look at the zodiac wheel, Capricorn's at the bottom of the wheel. Now, if you plant a little dot or, or, or a magnet at the bottom of Capricorn, at the lowest point of the wheel, and you climb it a degree a day, it starts to climb in Capricorn, okay? It starts to climb up the Great Mountain again to its height in right. Cancer, June 21st, just like the goat. The goat climbs the mountain better than anyone else. So those are the 12 signs, okay? So now we can start going into mm-hmm. some deeper things. Uh, for example, okay. in church, in church, there are names for Jesus that are given to him. They're sort of metaphorical, but they're all astrological, okay? And people don't know any better. For example, Jesus is a son, S-U-N, not the S-O-N. He's a solar deity, okay? So when you're talking about the son or Jesus in Capricorn, the goat, his name is the scapegoat of Israel. When the son is in the man sign of Aquarius, he's the son of man. When the son is in Pisces, he's the fisherman of men. And it's also why he feeds the masses on the land with two fish. When the sun, when the sun is in Aries, he's known as the Lamb of God. When the sun is in Leo, he's known as the Lion of Judah. The lady holding the stalk of wheat, Virgo, he's born of a virgin, and he's called the bread of life. Libra, the scales of justice, he's known as the just one. He's betrayed in Scorpio. He dies in Sagittarius, and it's why he's worshipped on the sun day. See, the Jewish religion goes back to Saturn worship. That's why they worship on the Saturn day or the Saturn day. Okay? But the Christians is a solar religion. Okay? Everything is either Saturn or solar. So that's basically it. Now, if we were to continue talking about this, if I were to give you now, – now that we have the code, I could start going over some phrases. So – have you heard of Proverbs okay. sixteen eighteen? Have you heard of Proverbs sixteen eighteen, where it says pride comes before the fall? Right. Have heard you that. heard that before? Yeah. Okay. So, would you explain to your listeners what what people intend that to mean? Well, at uh, some point, like an arrogant person is going to. Um, you know, fall from grace, make a mistake type uh, situation. I mean, that's how it was. It takes literally. That's how it's believed in church. Okay. Do you no. happen to know what a group of Do you happen to know what a group of lions is called? Lots of pride. Pride comes before the fall. A group of lions is called the pride. So pride is the lion, and the lion is Leo. Mm-hmm. Leo is in July and August. That comes before the fall. So it's a double meaning. Yep. Extra no, theological. Okay, I see what you mean, yeah. Yeah, it's a double meaning. So you could take it literally, which you were never supposed to do. These are all metaphors that are supposed to be understood deeply. Okay? Or you can take it for what it really is, which is a metaphor. Now, in the book, Micah, which is my namesake, by the way, Micah 5.2, incidentally, each zodiac sign is called a house in the Bible Jesus says, in my father's home, there are many mansions or homes or house. Mm -hmm. There are many homes. Okay? Micah 5.2. In this passage, he predicts that the Savior will come from, do you remember where? Uh, Israel, Bethlehem. Bethlehem. There you go. So, but you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. Just based on reading that, the Savior comes from Bethlehem, right? Mm-hmm. You have to know your languages when you decode this kind of stuff. You need to know your Italian. You need to learn your Hebrew. You need to know your English. You need to learn your German. Okay, you need to know your languages to do this. Bethlehem is a double meaning word in Hebrew. Bet in Hebrew means house. And lechem means bread. So Bethlehem translates to the house of bread. Well, the house of bread is Virgo, the lady with the wheat stalk, right? Right. Okay, the virgin. Okay, 
So what Mike is really saying, extra-theologically, but you, Bethlehem Ephrata, is saying the Savior will come from a virgin. Do you see how that works? Okay, that uh, that that makes sense the way he explained it. Yeah, that is a new okay. interpretation. Right. So that's basically what it is. And you'll find that as I go through these interpretations, I'm only using the 12 signs and their uh, keywords. That's all you need. Well, that's not entirely true because I also do talk about, well, as you'll see, I do talk about um, constellations that they knew. See, at the time as the Bible was written, okay, and I'm talking about the Old Testament, not just the New Testament. Time the Old Testament was written, we now know there's 88 constellations in our neck of the woods, okay? We have it all mapped out. Okay. We have it all mapped out now. But at the time, okay, at the time in the Old Testament, there was only 48 constellations plus the stars that they knew, plus they only knew about seven planets, okay? Saturn was also much closer to us than it is now, okay? The ancients used to know about the rings. That's why you wear earrings, Women would wear earrings. They get their ears pierced because they were told to listen to their god. Their god was Saturn. Okay? Women would, um, and men would wear wedding rings. Why do you wear wedding rings? Because you have to pledge your fidelity to your spouse in front of your god. Your god was Saturn. It all goes back to Saturnalia worship. Okay? I'm going to read you a passage from Deuteronomy 32. I'm going to emphasize the words, and I'm going to give you the meaning. Okay? Let me read it to you first real quick. He gave them honey from the cliffs and olive oil from the rocky grounds. He gave his people butter from the herd and milk from the flock. He gave them lambs and goats. They had the best rams from Bashan and the finest wheat. They drank the best wine made from the juice of red grapes. But Jeshurun became fat and kicked like a bull. That's the passage. Now, he gave them honey from the cliffs and olive oil, that's Libra, from the rocky ground. He gave his people butter from the herd and milk from the flock. He gave them lambs, lambs are Aries, and goats. Goats are Capricorn. They had the best rams, that's Aries, from Bashan, and the finest wheat. That is Virgo, the lady with the wheat stalk. They drank the best wine made from the juice of red grapes. Remember, Libra, the wine, that's when you press the wine, the olives, and the lolly things. But Jeshurun became fat and kicked like a bull. Well, the bull is Taurus. There's eight signs there. And there's also two that I haven't given you, but I'm going to do it right now. He gave them honey from the cliffs, okay, the honey. In the sign Cancer, there's a group of stars called the Beehive Cluster that the ancients knew about. Okay? It's why the, uh, the symbol of the bee is so important to the Illuminati. Uh, but that aside, without going down that rabbit hole, honey comes from the bees. Makes sense, right? So when, you, when you're saying yes. you gave them honey from the cliffs, that honey comes from the Beehive Cluster. That makes sense. So that's in Cancer. He gave his people uh, milk from the flock. Milk comes from the Milky Way galaxy which they named by name in the Egyptian Book of the Dead as far back as that, okay? So it's always been called the Milky Way Galaxy. It's not a language translation thing, okay? It's been called the Milky Way Galaxy forever. The Milky Way Galaxy centers in Sagittarius. So based on this, from the honey in Cancer to the milk in Sagittarius, that's your land of milk and honey. It's a celestial metaphor. It has nothing to do with the place on Earth. Okay. Wow. Okay. Does this make sense? Yeah. Okay, good. Now I'm going to teach you how to decode a little bit better. Now, the one thing you're going to understand when you go over this kind of stuff, you have to understand this, is it would just be one thing if all these keywords and everything fit a puzzle that made good sense. It would be one thing to just think that, okay? Maybe I'm reaching, maybe I'm not. However, you'll find that when they're talking about signs, okay, in the Bible, in, um, in, in basically in any of the works that you're looking at, you'll find that more often than not, they're referring to signs. And when they're referring to signs, they're going to refer to a cross sign, which is, let's say, Aries and Libra. Those are cross signs. What's your, what's your birth sign? Uh, Capricorn. Okay, so your cross sign is Cancer. Okay? It's basically six signs from yours, or literally look at the zodiac wheel and go across. Okay? Half, It'll mention half, the cross halfway sign. Halfway around the circle. 
Exactly. Exactly. And these passages will either reference a cross sign or a neighboring sign. Those are very powerful signs in astrology. See, if I were to just take Capricorn and just mention Virgo, there's no real connection to that. If I say Capricorn and then Sagittarius or Aquarius or Cancer, those are connecting. Now, the Mount of Olives, okay? This is the passage from the Mount of Olives. Jesus led his disciples to the Mount of Olives after his last Passover so he could teach them a few more things, pray, then wait for Judas to betray him. While walking to the Mount of Olives, he gave the parable of the true vine. Let's break this down. Remember when I said Passover takes place? On uh, the spring equinox? Aries. Correct. Okay. Well, right after that, he walks to the Mount of Olives. Well, I just told you that olives are Libra, right? Aries and Libra are opposing signs. They're in Libra right now. They're waiting for Judas to betray him. The betrayer is Scorpio, the betrayer. Scorpio is the sign right after Libra. Those are connecting signs. Okay? While they're in Libra, he gave the parable of the true vine. The true vine are grapes. Okay? Grapes are Libra. Do you see how this pattern works? It's, it is easier to see my presentation and to be able to follow along with that, but I'm, I'm really just trying to break this down. Does, does that make sense, what I just explained to you? No, I, I understand that, and it, I'm sure a lot of the uh, audience um, is familiar with some of the medieval paintings where it has, uh, say, Lancelot sitting directly opposite the round table from uh, you know, one of the uh, good guys from – uh, Camelot. Right, and how many how many how many, ni- how many knights of Camelot were there? Um, uh, per, uh, tw- uh, probably twelve main ones. There was twelve, just like there's twelve signs, just like there's twelve tribes, mm-hmm. just like there's twelve months. This is how it's broken down. Mm-hmm. So what I just gave you with the Mount of Olives, that's how you're going to start to be able to decode things. You're going to look for a keyword that's in a sign. And you're going to find the passage that talks about its opposing sign or its neighboring sign. Sometimes it won't do that. Sometimes, well, well let's go into this. Revelation 4-7. You want to talk about Revelation? Let's talk about Revelation. <laughs> Revelation okay. 4-7. Does that work? Can I go on? Sure. I'm just uh, okay. flipping over to that page right now. Okay. Get the into Revelation living, yeah, you, 4 7. You, you, you could follow along. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a face like a man. The fourth was like a flying eagle. Correct? Can you verify? Uh, that's that's uh, right there out of the, the Jerusalem Bible that I'm reading. Okay, now I'm going to pose you two scenarios, okay? One is that during the end of days, there's going to be a four-headed creature like that looking back at us. Or I'm going to give you an alternate example. You let me know which one sounds good. The first living creature was like a lion. That's Leo, the lion. That's obvious. The second was like an okay. ox. Well, the ox, is, the ox is Taurus. That's the bull. Taurus. Yeah, okay. the, third had a, mm-hmm, the third had a face like a man. That's Aquarius. The sign of the man. Whereas Virgo is the sign of the woman, Aquarius is the sign of the man. And the fourth was like a flying eagle. Now, in astrology, the Scorpio, scorpion is the belly crawling creature. It's the lowest form of life on earth. You remember in the Old Testament, right at the beginning, in the Garden of Eden, after the deception, God cursed the snake to crawl on his belly as a punishment. Right. Okay. That is the punishment is crawling on your belly. It's the lowest form of life on earth. However, the Scorpio, the scorpion evolves in astrology. It evolves, and you can look this up too. I'm not going to go into how it evolves or why it evolves. Just take my word for it or look it up. Okay? The evolved form of the Scorpio is the eagle. Okay? 
And the eagle, which is the highest flying form of life on Earth. So you go from belly crawling to the highest flying form of life on Earth. That's how it evolves. And the eagle's evolved form is the phoenix. And what is the story of the phoenix? The phoenix is a flaming ball, just like the sun, that metaphorically dies. The sun metaphorically dies and comes back to life, just like the phoenix. So the eagle becomes Scorpio. So now the four signs that we were just talking about, Leo, Taurus, Aquarius, and Scorpio, those are the four fixed signs of the zodiac. In astrology, you have things called fixed signs, mutable signs, and cardinal signs. Okay? The reason they're called the fixed signs is because they're fixed in their season. Okay? Leo is right in the middle of the summer. Aquarius is right in the middle of the winter. Taurus is right in the middle of the spring, and Scorpio is right in the middle of the fall. Now, Leo, lion, man, Aquarius, those are opposing signs. Ox, Taurus, eagle, Scorpio, those are opposing signs. If you take a picture of the zodiac and you plot these four, you can connect them. It makes an X through the zodiac wheel. It's a perfect alignment. It aligns with... um, being the fixed nature of the signs. It's all four fixed signs, so it wasn't chosen by accident. And it makes a pattern in the zodiac. So you got to ask yourself, what is more realistic, that this creature is real or that they're talking about star patterns, which is what all the ancient books are talking about? Yeah, you know, it sounds like most people today w- w- would say it's like the first one that uh, – yeah, the surface thing that you know, this is, you know, the literal interpretation of what the Bible was discussing. Right. So let's do Revelation 12. You wanted me to get into that, right? Oh, sure. I, I, that, that, I thought that was just one of the more straightforward examples that our listeners would probably already know um but you know keep keep ex- peeling the onion back to give us the deeper meaning okay when you say that they would know do you mean literally or do you mean what i'm about to say um i i i'm sure or, that or just familiar are... with the passage just familiar with the passage. Okay. So Revelation, Revelation 12. Mm-hmm. A, great sign, a great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and a crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. And another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on its head. Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to earth. There are people that believe that there's going to be a giant woman in the sky and a dragon opposing her about to eat her. Okay? Or I'll present you another explanation. A woman clothed with the sun is the sun clothed in Virgo. It's a metaphor for what the sun does. Okay? Clothed with the sun means the sun is in Virgo. If the sun is in Virgo, the moon will be at her feet. Virgo, okay, there are 12 signs, okay? There's a 24-hour-a-day clock. So the sun, just by simple math, spends two hours a day in each sign. It's simple. Now, if you look at the way the zodiac works, and you were to follow the sun in Virgo, that's between 4 and 6 p.m. when the sun is still out. So if the sun is out, the moon will be at her feet. Whereas if the moon is out, the sun is at her feet. It's a metaphor. Then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous dragon. Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to earth. There's a constellation we all know about. The Chinese have it in their zodiac. It's called Draco. Draco is the dragon, the dragon constellation. Uh-huh. Its tail goes from Aries to Sagittarius, which is one third of the stars out of the sky. These are just star metaphors. That's what they all are. Okay, you can do this with any passage in the Bible or in any holy text or in the Quran, or, or in the Old Testament, New Testament, Epic of Gilgamesh, um, the Enuma Elish, they all follow the same pattern. This is the key to understanding all of them. Okay? 
Matthew 10:16. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Now the sheep is Aries. The wolf is the constellation Lupus, which borders the Libra line. Those are opposing signs. Remember how I told you it's always going to be an opposing sign or a neighboring sign? That's how you know the patterns are real? Right. There you go. Okay? So, right now, I'm going to give you a very large example of astrotheology in the Bible in case, these, in case you think I'm cherry-picking. Okay? Do you remember who – well, I shouldn't say do you remember who. The book of Job. Okay? Right. <clears throat> first, do you remember who Job was? Was that the first you... book? That was the first book of the Bible? Correct. Correct. It was the first book of the Bible. Uh, well, no, it's not the first book of the Bible. It's the oldest book in the Bible. Uh, uh, yeah, right. I, yeah, I, I should have phrased it better. Yeah, it's. Yeah. I knew is like you, uh, considered a, uh, probably the very first book that was written written and incorporated in the Bible. I think Jim Willis discussed right. that. Now, do you remember who Job was? Yeah, he was a, a faithful guy who uh, God allowed Satan to uh, tempt him, destroy his uh, family, but he he he, he couldn't kill him. Uh, Satan couldn't kill him, uh, but he could. Uh, destroy his family and business and sheep or cattle. Right. Exactly. Hold on one sec. Sure. Pretty interesting show. New, new way to look at um, the Bible. I think a lot of people um, look at things either literally or symbolically, not uh, kind of mix both of them uh, together. I think we're getting a little bit of that tonight. And I think okay, I'm back. we have oh, – okay, just mumbling to myself. That's all right. Okay, so you so, did a good um, job explaining. Okay. You did a good uh, job um, explaining, Joe. Okay, thank you. So now at one point – at one point, Joe, I think he's sitting on a rock. He had lost everything, and he's crying out to God. Right? And God answers him, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. I'm going to read you God's response. The first sentence in every line is what God says to Job. The second sentence in every line is what he actually means. Okay? So, Job 38:32. He says, can you lead forth the Maseroth? Now, the Maseroth is literally the Zodiac. Okay? Maseroth Translates to Zodiac. The first thing he says is, do you know your Zodiac? Maseroth over time becomes Mazalot, and it survives in Judaism today as Mazel Tov. And you know how old Judaism is and how old the words Mazel Tov are. They go back to the word Maseroth, which means good fortune from the stars. So what is the Lord's challenge to Job? He says, can you bind the chains of the Pleiades? He says, can you bind the chains of the Pleiades? Can you loosen Orion's belt? Those are obvious star metaphors, right? Yes, they are. Then he says, this is God speaking, can you bring forth the constellations in their season or lead out the bear with its cubs? The constellations are the zodiac above. The bear and its cubs are Ursa Major, the great bear, and Ursa Minor, which is part of the Big Dipper, the little bear. Who can tip over the water jars of the heavens, he says. Well, that's just Aquarius, the man with the water pitcher that's tipping it over. Do you hunt the prey for the lioness and satisfy hunger for the lions? 
or like Leo, the lion, who provides food for the raven. That's the constellation Corvus, which means raven and borders on Virgo. Do you watch where the doe bears her fawn? That's Mriga, which means deer and is located in Orion, who let the wild donkey go free. That's Acellus borealis, which means donkey and is located in Cancer. Will the wild ox consent to serve you? That's Taurus. You see where I'm going with this, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, almost every, or every zodiac sign is mentioned in God's um, to Job. Right. And he says, the wings of the ostrich flap joyfully. That's Lambda Achille or Al-Saliman, which means two ostriches in Arabic. Do you give the horse its strength? It laughs at fear, afraid of nothing. It does not shy away from the sword. The quiver rattles against its spear. Its side with the flashing spear and lance. It's Sagittarius with the bow and the arrow. Does the eagle soar at your command and build its nest on high? Aquila is the Latin name for eagle and is a constellation a few degrees above the celestial equator. So in astrology, I just previously mentioned to you before that the scorpion uh, is also evolves into the eagle, whereas Aquila is also the eagle. There's examples, too, like the serpent, okay? There's two examples of the serpent, too, in astrology. You have the sea serpent, which is uh, Hydra, okay, which people have heard of. And uh, you have Ophiuchus, which is supposedly the 13th sign of the Zodiac, but I don't get into that, um, which is the snake bearer, okay? And then finally he says, can you pull in Leviathan with a fish hook? Leviathan with the fish god. So They're all there, there are questions. Yeah. That's what it, I'm telling you. It doesn't matter what book you use. Or, or what, what translation of what book you use. It doesn't matter what it is. It's all talking about the same stuff. These are deeply encoded celestial metaphors, just like all the other holy books are. Nothing is different. They're all the same. Okay. Um when you know we have a couple uh pretty prominent water signs like uh the baptism and the river jordan and walking across the was the sea of galilee to uh go, go out to the boat where everyone was uh afraid the storm was going to capsize them uh you know how do we understand like those two water passages? Um, well, the truth is, is that I'd have to actually know which passages you're referring to. Okay, let me... Okay, get the fisher of men in, was it Matthew 4.19... Trying to see where I jotted down the right. I mean, you asked me about Revelation. I went over a couple of examples of Revelation. You know, we went over Job. We went over. Uh, we went over a bunch. Went over uh-huh. Genesis. Get... You know, it, it's it's all the same. You know, I would just need to look at it very quickly and see if I could piece something together. You know, I'm trying to teach people this. That's what I'm trying to do, is I'm trying to teach people what I can do. Okay? Don't believe me. Try it yourself. You know, open your own Bible. Uh, um, there's also the wheat and chaff from Matthew 3.12. Right. Yeah. The book of Matthew reads like a clock. When you when you see my presentation about it, when you physically see the PowerPoint presentation, there's a reason. 
There's a, there's a pattern his, to his winnowing. Yeah, his winnowing fan is in the hand. He will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn in a fire that will never go out. Right, the wheat and the chaff. Mm-hmm. The wheat is Virgo in a burning fire that will never go out. That's a metaphor. So the sun is in Virgo. That's what that passage is saying. The sun's in Virgo. Okay, the sun's find... in Virgo every day. Let's try to find the... Um... Uh, one with the... Um, Jesus walks on waters in Matthew fourteen twenty two. Well, Jesus, so Jesus walks on water. Okay, that's the sun. Have you ever seen a, a sunset on a lake before? Have you ever seen the way the sun walks right. on water? Mm-hmm. Okay. Jesus, I'll help you. Mean. Jesus heals the blind. Jesus heals the blind. The man came up to him. Jesus touched him in his eyes. He was given the sight. But what happens with the sun? See, at night, the sun goes down, and then we're all blind. We can't see. But when the sun comes up in the morning and touches your eyes, you're giving your sight back. So with these metaphors – you know, in you know, Matthew is as well. You get the uh, Jesus or uh, Joseph and Mary taking the infant Jesus to uh, Egypt. Do, do you think there's a lasting legacy from their time? Living in Egypt, and you know, there, there, there's what they, the influence of that culture on, well, yeah, the Jesus or the, yeah, the Egyptian or the writing heavily influenced, yeah, heavily influenced. You have to understand. You have to understand though, is you wouldn't read the Odyssey or the Iliad. Or the Epic of Gilgamesh as literal truth. Okay, the Bible is not a literal story; they're metaphorical stories, and the names of the characters—they're all metaphors. Okay, these aren't real people that existed. You'll always find evidence of its mention, but you'll never find proof. You'll never find the bones of Solomon. Incidentally, Solomon, okay, Solomon is again the sun. Okay, it's another story about the sun. Solomon is three words. Okay, in Latin, soul means sun. Okay, right. in Buddhism, om, om means sun. It's the vibration right. of the sun. Okay, and on, on, salomon, on, is the Greek city of light, Heliopolis. Okay, it was the city of light. It was the city of enlightenment. Okay, that's where you get the light from. That's why when you go into a bedroom, you still turn the lights on. It goes back to the city of on in Greek. Salomon is three names for the sun. If you want to talk about the story of uh, of um, Daniel and the lions, then well, Daniel is the sign of the man that's Aquarius, and the lions are Leo. Those are opposing signs. If you want to talk about Jesus feeding the masses with two fish and five loaves of bread, well, the two fish are Pisces. The loaves of bread are Virgo. Those are opposing signs, as I mentioned. Okay, and the five loaves of bread, the new year starts in Aries. If you count five signs over, you get Virgo. These are all just metaphors. Okay, so do do you think this is uh, you know all these metaphors are um, the the lingering Egyptian literary influence across the Holy Land on you know all the first century AD authors of 
you know, you know, these little histories of... Oh, yeah, they're, they're all borrowed. The Ten Commandments were borrowed from the Egyptian Book of the Dead, Chapter 125. Yeah, they're, they're all borrowed. It all goes back yeah. to the Epic of Gilgamesh in Samaria, okay, and it trickles down into the Babylonians, the Mesopotamians, okay? It trickles down into uh, Persia, all right, and it goes into the Egyptians, who are the people of Taurus, that's why there's so many hieroglyphs with the sun in the middle of the bull's horns, because the sun was in Taurus. And then the Jews are the people of Aries, the ram. Okay? The, Jew, the Egyptians start to fade, and the Jewish people come up in the age of Aries. That's why they blow the ram's horn to the sky, because it is a solar worship. It's the sun in Aries. It's the sign of Aries. That's why the Jews blow the ram's horn. And then the Jews start to fade, and then the Christians come up, during the age of Pisces. That's why they have the two fish. Okay? Jesus feeds them asses with two fish. Also, uh-huh. uh, Jesus tells them, at one point he's resurrected, he's walking alongside the beach, or the water, and the disciples can't catch anything. So he tells them to throw the net to the other side. So he throws it to the other side, which is Pisces with the fish, they catch 153 fish. They mention that by number. And it's a random number, but they mention it. Well, 153, if you connect two circles together, what you get in the middle is the Jesus fish. It's called the Vesica Pisces. And its mathematical equation is 247 over 153. See, the ancients knew all this, and they just, they, 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 they encoded it. And as time went on, people just started taking these stories literally instead of metaphorically like they were supposed to be. Okay, so... Um... Like with you know one of the concluding scenes from the book of Revelation, you get New Jerusalem descending and all these you know, streets of gold and you know, a twelve gates or something something like that are uh coated and all these uh precious gems um is are images like that somehow connected to crystal gems and you know, the technology from Atlantis? That's a whole different story. That's not so much astrotheology, but it does go back to oh, the okay. age of Atlantis. It does go back to the age yeah, of Atlantis. Um, they try and teach you. They try and tell you that in, in, in entertainment. See, if you ever listen to Edgar Casey, who was known as the sleeping prophet, he put himself under, and he used to give readings. And one of his readings he gave, mm-hmm. okay, he was talking about um, how Atlantis sunk because they overcharged the crystals, and it caused a giant explosion. Well, 7,000 years later, I'm sorry, 12,000 years later, Okay, we're only now learning that you can embed movies and documents and things in crystals. See, crystals are going to be the new microprocessors and computers. They try and tell you this. In the 70s, Superman went into the cave of crystals. They try and tell you these things. See, it goes back to Atlantis. It goes back to all that. Absolutely. Not so much the astrotheology, but again, like they say, there's nothing new under the sun. Everything is constantly... uh, Everything is just constantly recycled. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah. That that your your statement is a nice foreshadow for a show I have coming up in about three weeks. Uh, some of the uh, crazy stuff going on today is you know, just a, a rehash of what other. Uh, presidents have done so. Uh, <laughs> that's a, a, a nice summary of that upcoming show. <laughs> Thank you for doing that. But it, it, yeah, this is uh, really interesting. It, it, um, it is you know Barbara's a big fan of 
Atlantis, and I know a lot of our listeners are very interested in it too. Is, is there anything else in, like uh, any of the technologies from Atlantis, uh, yeah, such as acoustic levitation or anything like that? That you know, even Jeffrey of Monmouth uh, described in the building of Stonehenge. Is anything? Uh, yeah, you know, that repeats itself thousands of years later. Uh, you know, come out of the advanced culture of Atlantis. Yeah, that would be a whole other episode. You can't really go into that right now. No, I actually have to. Hop, okay, I actually have to hop off. Okay, yeah, I I know you had. Uh, uh, you know, some other business you had to, uh, to do, and you know we'll, we'll have to get into more of that on another time. I, um, you know, Mike, I, I really appreciate you uh, visiting with us tonight. I, I think that mm-hmm. the audience got a really unique education in looking at the uh all these biblical stories you know to uh, get more into atlantis another time and more about uh judas being hanged from a tree and the pineal mm-hmm. gland and stuff stuff like that because of course yeah you have a lot of really interesting uh uh, material. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Let me so just say I, one thing, though, you... for the for the audience that's out there, um, sure, that's listening. If you want to see some of my work, or you want to reach out to me, or you're interested in the book series or anything, you can. I'm on Twitter at Real Mr. Dank. I'm on Facebook at Instagram at Micah Dank. Just reach out to me. I'll send you my 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 best work that I have. You know, you can get the book series signed through me. Whatever you want to do, just reach out to me. If you found tonight interesting, reach out to me. This is not even cracking the surface. Yep. And it, you know the uh, you know what you discuss about Jesus's lost years and uh, reappearing when he's uh, at the age of thirty. You know, uh, you know we'll save that for another show. Uh, but I, I I really enjoyed it. Well, I can Mike, explain uh, that. I, I can explain that real quick. Oh, sh- oh, oh so sure, he, sure, he, sure. He leaves he he leaves at twelve and he comes back at thirty. And there's mm-hmm. so much describing of this, so much discrepancy. There's so much volatility and just people just arguing over why why twelve why thirty. And in astrotheology, there's a double meaning to it. Okay, the first one is that there's 12 signs and each one of them are 30 degrees in the zodiac. But if you want to sound something a little bit more, less star-like, just more realistic, what happens to a Jewish boy at the age of 12? Probably has his bar mitzvah. Exactly, exactly. Tradition as old as time, he has a bar mitzvah. He becomes a man. So finally, he's a man. So he goes off to study. He comes back at 30. He starts his ministry at 30. Why 30? Well, the Jewish religion goes back to the Saturnalia relation, the relationships, the, the Saturnalia worship, worship of Saturn. Okay? The Saturnalia people, okay, they said that you could only, you could only become a teacher when Saturn Remember Saturnalia, Saturn, when Saturn comes back to its place that it was at when you were born. That takes 30 years. That's why he comes back at 30. And that's just history. That's just what they believe. So that's why he disappears at 12 and comes back at 30. Fascinating. Okay. um, Mike, do you... Do, do you need to get get back to business, and uh, we can resume at another date? 
Sure. Let me know what people say. Okay. Let me know what people think. Okay. Well, I, I, I and definitely really everybody that's that. listening. Yeah. It's it's mind blowing, isn't it? Oh uh, yes, it is. Okay. Anybody that's I, listening, I had... please reach out to me. I'm sorry, you had what? I, was, I had a great time tonight. And I'm thank sure you. the listeners did too. Th- thank you very much. And uh, you know, Michael, do you want to give out any uh, what get, in, listeners can get Micah's books at Amazon? Just type in. You could do that. Micah, or you can get signed copies through me. Okay. There you go. It's Micah Dank. D A N K. Okay. Well, uh, th- thank you very much, Micah. Uh, appreciate you being a guest on Nightlight, and we will talk sometime uh, soon. We'll get the archive to you tomorrow. Thank you again, and um, uh, we we will be in touch. With Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.